0: Good morning. This morning we've come to the final message on being established in the love of God. Over these last few weeks we've looked at knowing God, listening to God, talking to God, serving, and last week walking with God. And today we're looking at sharing God. So let me begin by asking you a question Are there some things that you don't like to share? Anything that you would find difficult to share with others? You might do it, but in your heart, you know, it's, it's not really in it. You're reluctant. Now, during this past year of lockdown, I've done a lot of baking and my neighbours and friends and family would tell you that I've happily shared with them scones and cakes and biscuits and pies. I would happily share with you plants and seeds from the garden and in the past, we've often shared our home with others. But the one thing that I don't like to share is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Now, I don't buy them very often, but when I do, you get three in a pack and I uh, eat two of them. And then I let my husband have the third one, but it's very reluctantly. I tell him that I do it because I love him, but really I don't want to give him it. Now, I remember that old advert about do you love someone to give them your last roll or not a problem. And I remember when we were in Africa, chocolate was really hard to get. I mean, you could get some European or American chocolate, but only in the city. And it was very expensive. And Kirsty, one of the other girls in the team, she got a parcel from home. And in it was a Reese's peanut butter cup. And she cut it into tiny little pieces so that we all got a little taste of it. Now that was good sharing and I've not forgotten it. But what we're looking at today It's not about sharing material things, but about sharing God, about sharing our faith, and why we are sometimes reluctant to do it. So let's turn to the Bible passage for today. It's familiar words known as the Great Commission from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. These are the last words that Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends to heaven. Now picture this scene. Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen from the grave, he's appeared to hundreds of people, the resurrected Jesus for 40 days, he's standing on a mountainside, he's about to ascend to heaven. So the 11 disciples did what they'd been told, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they they saw him, that was the resurrected Jesus, they worshipped him. But, but, some doubted. Jesus had been spending time with them for 40 days since his resurrection. For three years before that, they had witnessed the miracles, the healings, the feeding of the 5,000, with just a few loaves and fishes, the raising of the dead, his power over nature, all that they had witnessed, and some worshipped and some doubted. When God is on the move, there will always be those who worship and those who doubt. This is Jesus' command to go and make disciples. If I had started off this morning by saying we were having a talk on evangelism, I know that there are some people who would have switched off. Oh, evangelism, not my gift. I wouldn't be any good at sharing the gospel. Not with others, no. And doubts would take over. Now, Nick Matthews, who used to come to this church... Uh, before he went with his wife and his family to serve with YWAM. In Australia, he says in his new book, this is his new book, Being Flawsome. And he says, Doubt for the follower of Jesus may result in a lack of conviction to fully participate in the Great Commission and to advance the Kingdom of Heaven, stemming from our lack of understanding of the basics of our belief, Because we underestimate the reach of Jesus to meet our particular needs. Perhaps doubt creeps in through our tolerance to a society postured with a growing intolerance to the message of Jesus. I think Nick is right when he says that it's often the lack of understanding of the basics of our belief that causes us to doubt. Have we doubts about what we were saved from and for? Do we really believe that our friends and family who have not yet trusted in Jesus for their salvation will be headed for an eternity spent without God and all that is good? Doubt holds us back from obeying the command of our King. We've forgotten his promise to always be with us. Now, we are not all called to be evangelists, but we are all called to be witnesses. We are called to share what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We are called to share with others the grace of God who has saved us by giving us his son. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment for our sins, for yours and for mine. He took them unto himself and by rising from the dead, he proved that he does have all authority in heaven and on earth. My husband and I used to like the television series, Star Trek, the Starship Enterprise, captained by James T. Kirk and then Jean-Luc Picard. Its mission was to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. And during the series, the prime directive was often mentioned it was the first and foremost command. The prime directive dictates that there could be no interference with the culture and development of other planets. The crew of the Enterprise were absolutely forbidden to share their advanced knowledge with more primitive people groups. Like the Enterprise, we have been given a mission by our Commander-in-Chief to boldly go. But unlike them, we have a directive to share our knowledge, to share our knowledge of God our knowledge of his saving grace, knowledge that will alter society, knowledge that will change individual lives. We are told to go. Now, it might just be next door or across the street. Go and make disciples. It may even be within our own family. I remember years ago when, as a church, we looked together at Rick Warren's book, The Purpose-Driven Life. And in that, he said that, Everyone should experience an overseas mission at least once in their life. And I recall thinking, hmm, there's no way I'm doing that. No chance. I don't like to travel. I'm really a home bird, only to find myself some years later going off to Africa for a year with mercy chips. Now, if we're putting into practice the things that we've learned over these last few weeks, getting to know God more, talking and walking with him, listening for his voice and being willing to serve, then I'm sure that he will just drop into our minds those names and ideas, into our minds that he wants us to reach out to. Now, verse 19 here says that we are called to make disciples. Brian Bell says that a disciple is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus and intentionally helps others to follow him. A disciple is someone who has met, who knows, and who is following Jesus. Now, here we find that Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. This is the last thing that he says. This was the culmination of his time on earth. He could have talked about anything, but he gives this as his last command before he returns to his father. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now the thing that struck me here was, who is Jesus telling the disciples to go to? It was them. Who are they supposed to make disciples of? It's them. Who are they supposed to baptise? Them. Who are they supposed to teach? Them. Them. You are them. That's bad grammar. However, you used to be in the them category before you were saved. But after we put our trust in Jesus, we became part of his family. Wherever you go, in your street, your workplace, school, college, there are always people who don't know about the Lord Jesus. Reaching out to them is our mission. We are the church and we are called To love them. There is no plan B. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're the hope of the world and certainly, let's be honest, the world could use some hope just now. But perhaps, perhaps it's not so much doubt as disappointment that holds you back. You've prayed for loved ones, as have I, for years and they still haven't become followers of Jesus. And there never seemed to be any further on the path. You've shared your faith with colleagues, friends, family and neighbours. But it just seems like nobody's interested. Perhaps you feel disheartened and think that you might as well stop trying. When I was asked to step in and, and bring this morning's message, I saw what the subject was and my immediate thought was, well, this is not something that I've had a lot of success at. When I first became a follower of Jesus, very shortly afterwards, my daughters, my husband, my parents, they, they were all saved, for which I am forever grateful. But that was back in 1983, and since then, apart from one other family member and a, a few folk who responded when we were at the fold, there there hasn't been much response. When we went to Africa, I'm a part of a mission team. I expected God to do great things. After all, I was only there because he told me to go. So there had to be a purpose. Um, The team that I was working with were empowering women. Uh, We taught them beekeeping and snail rearing and rabbit rearing and um, mushroom growing. And hundreds of women came for this training. But I was given sole responsibility for a particular small group of women. They were called the Deprived Single Mothers of Tamer Newtown. Now, that self-given name will tell you all you need to know about their feelings of self-worth. Most of them earned their living by smoking fish and selling it in the market. Mostly, they hadn't been given much education, so they didn't speak English. I had an interpreter called Elsie. Now, the women did do their proper formal training in running a business and how to um, market these things. But I, I wanted to build relationships and to bring some joy into their lives. Now, God is very creative, and I'm sure I wouldn't have thought of this by myself. I taught this little group of women to play prize bingo for small prizes like bars of soap. And at our weekly meetings, we sat on the ground in the dust And with Elsie's help, we played bingo and we laughed and we had fun. And for an hour, their lives were brightened and I loved being with them. Did anyone become a disciple? Did anyone choose to follow Jesus? Not that I know of. But I do think that God smiled and it was a step on the journey When I returned from Africa, the Lord led me to start a cafe-style outreach for women. A team of us did that every month for 10 years. As a group, we shared our faith with many women and had lots of fun presenting the gospel through video clips and discussions and quizzes. However, as far as I know, only one person became a Christian. Our house group, who are mainly in their 70s and 80s, met at the home of Bill and Margaret Emerson when we were allowed to meet. We've enjoyed their hospitality for several years. As a group, we felt that God was prompting us to reach out to the other residents in the building. So we started a monthly coffee morning, building friendships with some delightful people and sharing our faith with them. We had continued to meet there until the lockdown. Jean Bird has continued that contact, sewing little gifts at Christmas and Easter and sending cards to all of the friends that we've made there. Did anybody get saved? Anybody become a disciple? Not that we know of. A few years ago, I believe that God told me to write my story, to write my testimony, my journey with God in a little book and share it with others, which I did. I've given over a hundred copies of this away and I still have a few copies available. You know, if anybody thinks that would be helpful for a friend of theirs. I know that I've heard that they've traveled as far away as Canada, Australia and New Zealand. But did anybody become a disciple through reading it? Not that I'm aware of. So I can understand why we doubt, why we get disappointed. But while thinking about this, I read this, which I was very encouraged by. Here's the power of planting seeds. You can count how many seeds there are in an apple, but only God knows how many apples there are in a seed. Now I'll read that to you again. You can count how many seeds there are in an apple. But only God knows how many apples there are in a seed. It could be that you think you just planted a thought, a seed, but you might have planted an orchard and didn't even know it. So be encouraged to keep planting the seeds. I realise that it's our job to witness, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of sin and to save. The Apostle Paul wrote in Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded, for we are God's fellow workers. We're working alongside God. It's up to him. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are commanded to go. But the good thing is, we are not called to be salesmen. We're not trying to convince folk. Just to talk about what we have seen and heard and to love others to show kindness. In the book of James, he writes, What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister uh, is without clothes or daily food. If anyone says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. If we are to share our faith with those around us, they need to feel that we care about them, that we are interested in their problems. It's up to us to show God's love and kindness and to let people see that we are different. Think for a moment about those in your life who don't know the Lord. Think for a moment about their eternal destination if they don't change course. Could it be that God, in his mercy and his grace and his truth, and possibly with a bit of a sense of humour, has put you in their life to share God and to give them an opportunity to respond to his offer of salvation. So let me encourage you this morning not to allow doubts about your ability to be an effective witness slow you down. Remember his Jesus has promised to be with us and don't let disappointment from the past make you give up. Who knows if there are orchards growing somewhere Just keep loving those around you, being a witness to the mercy of our loving Father and let God do his work. May the Lord bless you today.